0: What's up, everyone? This is episode number 13, lucky 13 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And if this is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. For those of you that have allowed me to become a part of your routine during the week, be it in your home, in your cubicle, in your car, wherever, I want to say thank you. And it's a lot of you repeat listeners that I've been having some really good conversation with this week via my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. I've received a number of interesting comments on the conversation that I had with Adam about the PWCC online interview. Um, so my goal was hopefully at the end of that interview, as I stated, I wanted to, to get some feedback from you guys and to take some questions and to present those to PWCC because they gave this big plea for feedback And we're just conforming to what they're asking. Um, So I did that. On Tuesday night, I emailed Betsy at PWCC. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. And as of right now, I have not received a response. Now, I figure they're also dealing with some other stuff that's come up with PWCC. If you're reading online, you've seen that already. There's some more controversy. I'm not going to speak on that right now. However, I still wanted you guys to get a chance to hear the questions that have been asked, because even if they haven't been answered yet, it's important that we know what are the questions. So here they are, real quick. Number one, why conservation over restoration? Is there any legal posturing at play here? Number two, there are people who have been known to alter cards since the early 2000s, and as you stated in your interview, you now have the evidence to go after them. What efforts have you made in the last week to, quote-unquote, make the pain flow? Number three, what type of punishment should there be for trimmers, alterers, shillers, fraudsters? Should the feds or law enforcement get involved to help clean up this mess, or can the hobby self-regulate? Number four, if and when you find out a consigner has been sending you altered cards, will that info be made publicly available? So let's say Johnny's caught trimming edges off of cards to bump the grade, what happens then and then finally number five in your interview you mentioned that we're not a pro grading company and we're certainly not going to try to insert ourselves in that decision however you regularly add your own sticker to render an opinion on a card that goes above and beyond that of the grading companies in fact on the PMG green you wrote and spoke in detail about how you believe the card was not altered what do you make of these inconsistencies okay so like I said I sent those out Tuesday night, still haven't received a response, but the the fact of the matter is you guys, the collectors, the consumers, the cardboard connoisseurs, you deserve answers. I'm going to keep trying here. Um, I'm going to keep all of you updated when and if I even get a response. In the meantime, feel free to tag them on Instagram and get their attention if we don't have it already. All right, well, with that being said, let's move on to our main focus for today, which is, in fact, the NBA Finals. I saw they did a poll before the series this week, and it looks like people in 49 out of 50 states wanted to see the Raptors win this final. So what that tells me is that there is a bit of Warriors fatigue that's going on here. Um, Well, those people got their wish, at least for game number one. The Raptors took game number one. I'm not going to call it an upset, though, because, well, the Raptors did have home court advantage. It's pretty interesting. Golden State looked like a team that had had nine days off. I don't think DeMarcus Cousins helped them at all. Meanwhile, on the other side, Pascal Siakam, well, we knew he was good, but talk about a coming out party, so good for him. Um, And then you'll see on the hobby side that a lot of his cards have been springing up all of a sudden. With that being said, I personally predicted Golden State in five games before it started. No disrespect to the Raptors or to any of my Canadian listeners out there, but I'm going to stick to that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Golden State run the table from here on out and win the next four. I'm hoping for seven games. Who knows? You know, this. like I said, this is being recorded Sunday afternoon. By the time you listen to this, Toronto might even be up to nothing. What it does remind me of, though, or what it could possibly mirror, is the 2001 NBA Finals when Allen Iverson scored 48 points Philly took a 1-0 lead over the Lakers, and then the Lakers won the series 4-1, which I'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. What my plan is today, though, because I want to talk about the NBA Finals, and this is the Wax Museum podcast, so we are going to talk about the card aspect of it, I'm going to try and split NBA Finals history into different eras, and then cover the cardboard at the end of every era. The last era is going to be much longer, because to me, that's the NBA Finals memorabilia era, So that's going to span about 20 years, but I do want to cover all of that stuff at one point. I think another thing that that will show is that the NBA is, in fact, a game of runs. And even though, like the poll probably proved there's a little bit of Warriors fatigue right now, the fact of the matter is this isn't uncommon for the NBA. You had stretches where certain teams ran and won the title, or at least were in title contention year after year after year. And then there was occasionally small windows where other teams were able to get a title. But other than that, it's you had a lot of repeat winners. Which that leads us into our NBA Finals. Just basic facts before I get into the big history here. So there's only a total of 18 franchises that have won the NBA Finals. Of course, the Warriors are our current champions. It's interesting to note that the Thunder are credited with having a title because they're linked to the Sonics franchise. I know Sonics fans are not happy about that, and I don't blame them. Um, the Celtics have won the most times at this point. They've won 17 times, and then they've also won it the most times in a row. Between 59 and 66, they won it eight times in a row. The NBA Finals was initially known as the BAA Finals because it was the Basketball Association of America. Well, they merged with the NBL, which was the National Basketball League, and they became the NBA For a while, it was known as the NBA World Championship Series. That was from 1950 to 1985. They had a very brief stint where it was called the Showdown, until finally we have our current name now, which is the NBA Finals. So that actually started in 1986. And it was around this same time that the NBA Finals trophy was changed to the Larry O'Brien trophy. I think before that it was called the Walter Brown Trophy. But it was changed to the Larry O'Brien Trophy in 1984. Um, That was named after a former NBA commissioner, Larry O'Brien, who served from 1975 to 1984. You might have heard of him from a product called Eminence, which was a high-end Panini product. There were four cut autographs of him. Or if you're a history buff, you might know him for a completely different reason. I'd love to talk a lot about this, but I'm going to go over it real quick. In the early 70s, he was a top Democrat official. And in fact, he even served as a top advisor for George McGovern's campaign in 1972 when he he ran against um, Richard Nixon. Well, he's got a bigger link to history than that even. So his office was in the Watergate complex, which was where the Democratic National Committee was headquartered in Washington, D.C. And it was actually his office was one of the places that was broken into by the Watergate burglars, which was a scandal. They were White House burglars. There was basically a White House cover-up, and that led to Nixon's resignation several years later. So Larry O'Brien actually has a a pretty big role in history, whether incidental or not. Okay, on to the actual NBA history, the finals history. Like I said earlier, this can be broken down into a series of runs with a few teams that made smaller runs in between. Today I'm going to touch on some of those runs, and then I want to talk about any corresponding cardboard in the process. So we've got to start off, and we've got to look at the early years, which was 1947 to 1956. If you look at this time frame, this is when we had George Mikan, and you had Jim Pollard, and basketball was much different then. There are clips of this online. I would say if you're a fan of any type of basketball product right now, be it NCAA, WNBA, NBA, or whatever, it's going to be really tough to watch older NBA stuff. Just simply because, or at least the stuff before the merger, even um, it's a much different game. It hadn't evolved yet. I would only watch it from a historical perspective. You're probably not going to be entertained much by it. And then, of course, there were no NBA Finals cards during this time frame. NBA cards were really limited in general. I referred to it on an earlier episode. We had some NBA cards in 1948. That was the only time span that we had um, really licensed cards. That's where you see your Mike and Rookie. So I'm going to move pretty quick through that era and some of this older stuff here. 1957 and 1969 then we had our Celtics era where you basically had the the Celtics won eight in a row and they won 11 of 13. This is where Bill Russell was, um, as someone else has put it, the catalyst of the offense and anchor of the defense. Red Auerbach and the Celtics did a really good job during this time frame of developing this whole next man up idea. And you even saw that when Sam and Casey Jones replaced Bob Cousy and Bill Sharman in the backcourt. You know, they didn't skip a beat. Havlicek emerged as the new sixth man and things were just moving along. And Wilt, I will say, though, that Wilt did get one title in between there um, where the Philadelphia 76ers beat the San Francisco Warriors. There were, however, no um, official NBA Finals cards in this time frame that I know of. License cards in general were still very limited. You had the 1957 top set, and then you had 1961 Fleer, um, which those were really our only mainstream releases. Okay, moving on. Um, the next time frame that I want to look at is between 1970 and 1979. It was in this time frame that you saw the Knicks and the Lakers play a big part of this series and then kind of a mixed bag of teams. I also, I don't want to leave out the ABA finals because the ABA was a rival league at the time, but they did end up merging with the NBA. So you had the the NBA took on four of those teams. Um, That was around 1976. The cool thing here is that we do finally have some cardboard representation. It was at this point, um, starting with 1969, that Topps actually had a regular basketball set. So we have the NBA Finals and the ABA Finals were represented in this era, but the NBA Finals was represented first. If you look at 1970 and 71 tops, this is the first set that features a final subset, which was the Knicks over the Lakers. They had one card per game and then they had a World Champs card. A pretty big moment in this series came in Game seven, where there was a, a big question mark on can Willis Reed play or not? Well, pregame, they shot 200 CC, a quarter zone into his legs, so he basically dragged himself out there, came through the tunnel, the crowd went wild, he hit his first two shots, um, it was really demoralizing to the Lakers, and the Knicks went on to win that game seven. Willis Reed, however, only scored those four points. He's not shown on that last card, as some people you know, kind of wish he would be on there because it's such a memorable moment, but... Walt Frazier's on that card. He scored over 35 points, so he deserves to be on that card. And that's what they tried to do: is to take the leading performer of whatever game and give a picture of them in that time frame. The NBA Finals cards continued in the 1971 and 72 tops, where we had the 71 Finals represented, where the Bucks swept the Bullets. We still didn't have any ABA Finals cards, even though we had ABA cards for the first time in 71 tops. That didn't come until 72-73 Tops. There we had the Lakers over the Knicks, and we had the Pacers over the Nets. This trend of having Finals cards continued into 1973 and 1974 Tops, but those two years did not follow the same format. Um, This time it featured a card for every series of the playoffs, with the ABA included. 1975 and 76 Tops had one card for the NBA Finals and one card for the ABA Finals. It was at this point in 1976 we had our NBA-ABA merger, um, and for the time being, Topps got rid of the finals cards entirely. Now, there is, however, a pretty good chance that collectors can still own a piece of the 1976 finals where the Celtics beat the Suns. Some of you might know that from game number five, which had Garherd's Shot Herd round the world, um, which they still ended up losing that game, but it went to multiple overtimes. Anyway, around 2007 and 2008, Tops purchased a JoJo white jersey to cut up and use in their cards, and the only jersey that myself and some other people have been able to find that was for sale from a major oxen house during that era was from JoJo's collection himself. It was a 1976 NBA Finals jersey. The idea of cutting that up is crazy. I know people are really upset with that. There's a very good chance that this is that jersey, though, because in fact they had a a tag card that had the same tags on it and all of the thread holes lined up. So a lot of people think that this could be the same jersey. Listen, if you're upset about it, I get it, but it's already been cut up. The damage is already done. So for me, I'm happy to own a piece of that. In fact, I have the letter I from the name White, um, and he was the MVP from that series. So that's a really cool piece of history to own. Um, I feel with pretty good certainty that that is a a jersey from that NBA Finals. All right, so then at the end of the 70s, we had some miscellaneous teams win. Portland got a title. The Bullets got a title. The Sonics got a title. That's the one that's now attributed to the Thunder. And then um, we moved into our next era that I want to talk about, which is really anywhere from 1980 to 1990. It was in this era that we had the Celtics and Lakers rivalry renewed. We saw the emergence of some pretty good Philly teams. At the end of the era, we saw several really good Detroit teams. And remember, Top stopped making licensed cards in the early 80s, and we didn't get another licensed card from a major brand until 86 with Fleer. So there was a period in there where the only company that was licensed to make cards was the Star Company. I've also talked about that before, and they did feature NBA Finals sets in some of their team sets, or at least subsets in some of their team sets where they chronicled some of the games specifically. So if you want to commemorate some of those finals from the 80s, let's say if you're a Lakers fan, look in some of those Lakers sets and I think you'll see that there's some NBA Finals cards in there. Once we did get the license cards, though, like I said, at the end of the 80s and the early 90s, Detroit started to emerge, and we saw that with 1990 and 91 hoops. They did like this fake newspaper style design, and they had some cards for the Pistons being back-to-back champs, which I thought was really cool. So now we're getting to where we're actually going to see there's a few more brands, and they've realized that these are moments that should be commemorated on cardboard. All right, so the next era that I'm going to take a look at here, I'm going to title the Bulls run, and I'm going to say that's from 1991 to 98. Sorry, Rockets fans, I know you won two titles in between, but it and it's unfortunate for the Rockets because everyone's always going to say, well, yeah, but those were the two years that Michael was away from the game. You know, we don't want to discredit the Rockets, but I am going to call this the Bulls run. It's a shame that we still didn't have a lot of memorabilia cards in this era. Remember, they were becoming more popularized in, you know, 1997-98 and kind of that time frame, which would be the end of this Bulls run. We did, however, start to see a lot of nice-looking cards that featured the NBA Finals. You know, 1992-93 Skybox had some really nice-looking base cards with the Finals logo on it. Um, I know 93-94 Upper Deck had some Jordan NBA Finals cards. Um, The Rockets got their cards in some of the stadium club sets of that time frame, too. And really, there were all sorts of NBA Finals cards during this time because Jordan stuff and Bull stuff was very popular. We didn't see any memorabilia sets at this time frame, though, but Upper Deck was just churning out Jordan stuff. So there's definitely some Finals stuff in there. 1998, we have some stuff that you could say is Finals memorabilia, although I don't think it's officially labeled as such. Upper deck had a card with a piece of the Chicago Stadium floor, and then um, they also had this set called MJ's Final Floor. That was more to commemorate Jordan than it was in the NBA Finals. But anyway, it was uh, pieces of the Utah floor where he hit the game winner. He, you know, he pushed off of, of Russell, and the back of these say on the front of this card is an authentic piece of a game floor from the home of the Utah Jazz, the site of Michael Jordan's final shot. So they made a regular version of those and a jumbo version of those. I would consider that NBA Finals memorabilia, but I don't think it technically has that Finals logo on it. All right, so then we move into the last era, which is I'm lumping a lot of stuff in here. Really, there are different areas. If you're looking at it just from a basketball perspective, you can't do 1999 onward because there's just too much change happening in that era. I'm going to do that, though, because this is a basketball card podcast, and that's when I feel like basketball cards kind of changed When it came to the NBA Finals, um, and then there was a memorabilia focus, which that mirrors the focus in the hobby itself. There weren't memorabilia cards in the early 90s for the Finals because there weren't memorabilia cards. Well, now they realized, yeah, this is a cool way to commemorate a special moment of each season. So we didn't actually have memorabilia cards for the 1999 NBA Finals, but it, it really started with the 2000 Finals, which is where the Lakers beat my Indiana Pacers in six games. Um, from an entertainment perspective, it wasn't the greatest final. Um, you know, from a Pacers fan perspective, this wasn't even our best team. I don't think, I think we were a better team in 98 when we took Jordan to seven games, but whatever, Jordan's gone. Now we were able to get over that hump. We got to the NBA finals. We met Shaq in his prime and an upcoming Kobe, you know, Kobe obviously was still pretty good as well, but, um, Shaq for these three years was virtually unstoppable. Well, that's when we ran into him. However, it is nice to be able to commemorate this time in cards. And because I still really liked this Pacers team, it was a lot of fun. So, 2000, 2001 products, TOPS products, had pieces of jerseys from both teams from this NBA Finals. And it was a really interesting set. It was, you know, something new. So, you had the, they had different variations, even though they used the same jerseys, different variations. So, you had TOPS gold label jerseys, and they have a rare leather parallel as well, where the, The card looks like an actual piece of a basketball. You had Top Stars jerseys. You had a really rare two-card set called East Meets West. Um, You had Final Piece, and then you had Final Piece Prime, which was from Topps Chrome. Um, Those are pieces of patches. So not the jerseys, but the patches. They're numbered to 25, and then there's a refractor version numbered to 10. There's some really nice-looking cards in there. Now, a couple questions that I would have, though, regarding these sets would be, number one, where's Kobe? If you're a Lakers fan, you're, you were probably disappointed that Kobe wasn't in either one of these sets. Um, for the rest of us, maybe we were a little bit relieved because that brings the value of things down and makes some of it more attainable. But Kobe's not there. My second question would be, where did the trim pieces go? because they use some of the patches in the final piece cards, but then I never saw any trim in any Pacers card from that era from top. So there, there's a lot of that jersey that's not actually being used. Where did the logo men go? You know, I've never seen a Zantabak logo Logoman surface anywhere. So it makes you wonder, okay, did they have jerseys for all these different guys and where did they go? It's not like Panini now where it's like that old Native American thing where they use every piece of the buffalo for something or the bison for something now panini will use every single piece of a jersey for something no product goes wasted makes you wonder what Topps was doing and and maybe we missed out on some stuff because of that anyway if you're a lakers fan or a kobe fan you're in luck because the next couple of years the lakers made the finals and then also there were finals cards once again in 2001 we had the lakers over the sixers you had actually two different sets from tops, champions, and contenders. You had the finals journey cards, which had Philadelphia cards and Los Angeles cards. And then in upper deck, you had the NBA finals fabrics, which also had both teams. The NBA finals fabrics, though, included Kobe, which was good news for collectors. Um, The 2002 finals, we didn't get a formal set and By the way, I've been watching the finals consistently since 1996. This is the most boring NBA finals that I remember. The Lakers over the Nets. Um, We didn't get a formal final set, like I said, but we did get some Shaq game-worn stuff in a series called Shaq Attack. You just have to look at the back. Some of them were from the finals. Some of them weren't. So that's kind of something that they snuck in there the next couple of years we didn't get any finals cards so if you're a Spurs fan in 2003 I'm sorry if you're a Pistons fan in 2004 I'm sorry if you're a Pistons fan maybe the next best thing you'll have is a set from 2004-2005 Topps Luxury Box which was called Champagne Toast Um, it's autographs it has Ben Wallace it has Shaq it has Rip Hamilton it has a Mecca Okafer which he wasn't an NBA champion, but he won in college. He was a top spokesman, so they included him. But um, it shows those guys with their, their finals trophies, basically. 2005, we got finals cards back once again. It was a, a series between the Spurs and the Pistons. So it was 2005-2006 um, tops Big Game, which is a set that I love because it has my selective swatches. It has my nameplate patches that I collect for the Pacers. Those were one per case, and then you could also get these NBA Finals jersey cards. Um, they had one subset, I think, that had autographs. So there is a Duncan autographed jersey card from the NBA Finals. That's a really cool piece of history. Those are pretty tough to find. Those were called Final Score Relics. Top's big game continued for a second year in its final year. And so then we also got the final score relics again the next year in 2006. This time it was the Heat only, and then there was a Prime parallel, which we didn't have the year before. Um, These are actually pretty collectible because if you look back at that Heat team, number one, it was Dwayne Wade's coming out party in the NBA. He really wowed a lot of people and drew a lot of attention then. You have Shaq still. You have Jason Williams, you have Gary Payton, you have Antoine Walker. So it's a lot of really collectible guys that have big hobby followings. Maybe you don't think of some of those guys as Heat players, but they were at that spot towards the end of their careers. Then we didn't get any finals cards for another five seasons. So um, we formally missed out on another Spurs set. Sorry, Spurs collectors. Missed out on the Celtics in 08. 09 and 10, we missed out on the the Lakers' two titles. I do think some of this stuff, though, might have ended up chopped up and put into cards. I have an Andrew Bynum card from National Treasures that's got him in a Philadelphia uniform, but it's got patch pieces with a piece of the Larry O'Brien trophy on it. I went and did a little digging, and that was from a warm-up from 2009 against the Orlando Magic. It seems like kind of a waste to use that nice of a patch in the card or to even buy a finals warm-up to begin with, but they must have got them for really cheap. Maybe it was part of a package deal. Who knows? But anyway, there is some stuff out there that I suspect is from the finals, and Panini never really told us, so we won't really know. That one is obvious, though, because it has the actual Larry O'Brien trophy on it. 2011, we didn't really get a mainstream final set, but the 2012 Panini Father's Day set had stuff from the 2011 finals, which was really cool because they were pieces of basketballs, um, pieces of the net. If you're a Mavericks fan, you know, this is your only title. This is one that you would probably want to target. And there's some LeBron stuff in there as well because by that point he had taken his talents to South Beach. Those are really hard to find. In fact, there's probably not any of those on eBay right now. Sometimes I forget those even exist, um, but I do try and keep an eye out for those. 2012, we had the Heat over the Thunder. There wasn't an actual NBA Finals set with Finals memorabilia. However, we did have a a Finals-themed booklet and a few other things that looked really nice. Things changed, and Panini really took this in a great direction starting in 2013, a direction that they've kept going since then. Um, In 2013, we had the Heat. They beat the Spurs. Those of you might remember, this was the series where Danny Green in the first five games was just unstoppable from the three-point line. I know Raptors are kind of hoping that that happens again here. Um, That was the series where Heat fans left game six, where Ray Allen hit the corner three, Anyway, Panini came out with a set in 2013-2014 Panini Preferred. Um, They were NBA Finals memorabilia booklets. And there was a jersey version, and then there was a prime version. And then there was a super prime version that had the the actual logo man on it. Um, The prime version had all sorts of patches on it. It had the nameplate patches and everything mixed in. That was a really fun set. It was a horizontal booklet, though, which eventually they switched to the vertical booklet. I like the vertical ones a lot better. But anyway, it was something new and it was something different. They took this idea that Top started way back when with the the finals, jersey cards, and the patches or whatever, and they made it much better and they made it much more improved. So kudos to Panini for taking it in that direction. So we also saw a few cards from the 2013 finals, or a few players that weren't included in this set that were, however, included later on in an Immaculate set. It was called Special Event Materials, where they used materials from known events of the past. So for whatever reason, guys like Corey Joseph and Gary Neal didn't make it into that booklet set, but they still had those jerseys. So it's pretty cool that years later, they brought those back, and then they let us know, hey, these are actually from the NBA Finals. So kudos to Panini once again. Then we move into the 2014 title, which the Spurs won over the Heat. So if you're trying to collect these sets, just keep in mind there are some really diehard Spurs collectors out there, and they really want this year, especially from the 2014 stuff, because that was the year that the Spurs won, and it makes sense. So even for the lower-tier players, you're going to be, like even the Thiago Splitter, those type of guys, you're going to be really fighting to try and get those. But they included those in 2014-2015 Panini Preferred. Most of the jerseys, maybe even all of them, were from Game 2. If you're sneaky, if you're careful, you might be able to catch a Boris Diao jersey or patch from a 2017 Court Kings game-dated set, which was from that 2014 NBA Finals. And then even though it wasn't memorabilia, we also had Hoops introducing the Road to the Finals parallels and numbered cards in their sets at this point, which was nice. I'm not going to mention those every year but those have continued on since 2014. The 2015 NBA title was a pretty big moment especially now looking back. Maybe a bigger moment now looking back than it was then, but that was the Golden State Warriors first modern title. It was Curry's first title. You know, we didn't know they were going to go on this incredible run. So now looking back it's it seems a little more important to own something from that time at least in my opinion. LeBron was incredible during this final but he didn't win the MVP. It was given to Andre Iguodala instead. Just a fun fact, the only person, the only losing player to actually get an MVP in an NBA final was the first time it was ever given, which was in 1969, and that was Jerry West. So as I've mentioned before, I have a couple cards from this set that I'm very happy to own. I have an Iguodala, he was the MVP. It's a really nice looking patch. I have a Curry patch from this set. He was not the MVP. But nonetheless, it is his first title with them. One thing I just thought of that I didn't mention earlier, the booklets, after they switched from horizontal to vertical, they also started using acetate on the surface. And with the acetate and the foil, those are just really, really nice-looking cards in person. So even if you see a scan of them online, it doesn't do these cards justice. Something else that was new with the 2015 NBA Finals that I really like is that National Treasures took the nameplate cards, and now we had finals nameplates. Um, The only bad thing is now it took it away from the booklets, and we get less patches there, but we have finals cards in several different products. It makes for a big draw for National Treasures. 2016 continued this trend of having the preferred booklets and the National Treasures nameplates, this was the only year that the Cavs won, so these Cavs cards are are very sought after. And I would say that the LeBron card here is very sought after because it was a jersey that he actually won a title in. Um, the unfortunate thing is, Panini really limited this print run. Some guys didn't even have some guys that had jerseys didn't even have patch variations. Like Kyrie's stuff is really really hard to find here. Um, even the base jerseys are hard to find. You'll be able to find some of the guys out there like Dante Jones and maybe Mo Williams, but even then, some of the the patch cards were limited to 10. And this is where they started chopping some of these things up and, and including them in something on their website called Panini Eternal, where you basically buy the cards directly from them. So that was the downside, is now the money is going directly to Panini in this case, and there's less patch cards being produced in these booklets that you can pull from something. You just have to buy them direct. Panini Eternal continued um, from there on, but the the booklets actually moved from preferred and moved into a high-end product called Panini Opulence for the 2017 finals. Um, When Opulence first came out, it was $1,000 a box. And the booklets look really nice, but they are a little bit more difficult to get now. I would say once they moved to Opulence, but we still had those at least in some capacity, and we still had the Finals nameplates, and then we still had the Panini Eternal stuff. That continued into 2018. There's really nothing new to add there, so we're starting to see Warriors, you know, Warriors cards and Cavs cards in four straight releases. I think people are ready for some new teams. That's why it's nice to see whether they win or lose. We're going to get some Raptors patches, and I imagine those collectors are going to go crazy over those. I can't wait to see those released next year. All right, guys, so that was my attempt to, as best as I could, sum up some of the NBA Finals leading up to now. I know I couldn't touch on all of them, and I couldn't touch on every single NBA Finals card, but if this is something you're interested in, this should at least give you a starting point. I'll try and post some of these on my Instagram this week, which is at Podcast. Just to wrap up here, I've mentioned in a previous episode that I really like these types of game-dated cards and finals cards because you're holding an actual piece of history, and these card companies have given us this opportunity to, to have this, and even if it's not the memorabilia cards, even if it's just the cards that commemorate the finals, I like this because you could realistically create a binder or a stack with some of these cards, and you could help narrate NBA history for someone. And I I think that's always important to be able to share history with people and to have kind of visual reminders that will help guide you along in the process. So these are special to me. I like collecting NBA Finals stuff. If you haven't collected any before, maybe it's something that you'll think about. Maybe it's something that your team will be included on at one point. For those of you that do have Finals cards in your collection already, though, I'd love for you to share them with me this week. Post them up and tag me on, on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.